Star Wars 7x7 episode 2112 today, continuing our series on the nature of hope, and this time we're looking at The Last Jedi. Punch it! Hey Rebel Riser, I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7, your daily dose of Star Wars joy. And thank you so much for joining me for it. So here we are, 2112 actually. And no, we're not going to talk about Rush albums today, but it's kind of fun to be in a palindromic number. We are going to talk about The Last Jedi as part of the Hope series. And like Rogue One, which we discussed in the previous episode... This is another movie where hope is discussed in rather overt terms. And by overt, I mean it's literally mentioned <laughs> multiple times in the script for the movie and in a few different ways. For a start, when Snoke talks about it, he says, The seed of the Jedi Order lives. This is in the beginning of the movie. And he says, As long as it does, hope lives in the galaxy. Now, this got me thinking about the fact that the Jedi Order has not been seen in the galaxy for half a century. I mean, if you think about the timeline, the last time there was an active working Jedi Order was at the end of Revenge of the Sith, or maybe the middle of Revenge of the Sith, right? And from what we understand from The Last Jedi, when Luke took Kylo Ren, Ben Solo, and a dozen students and began a training temple, it doesn't seem like there was a giant PR marketing campaign <laughs> around that situation, right? And everything that we know from, you know, other sources in, you know, books and comics and whatnot, although I haven't read The Rise of Kylo Ren in all honesty, so maybe there's something that's going to contradict me there, but this was not made a big public spectacle of, and so... As far as the larger galaxy goes, from 19 BBY until 34 ABY, I mean, that's 53 years when there hasn't been an operating Jedi Order. Yes, there have been a couple of Jedi working in the galaxy, and some people have had first-hand experience of them, like Kanan Jarrus, or Luke Skywalker, or people who were formerly Jedi and able to use Jedi powers, like Ahsoka Tano, for example, and, you know, Cal Kestis, right? There are characters that are running around that have done that, but that's really few and far between. That is not a galaxy-spanning, galaxy-influencing Jedi Order. So in that sense, the, you know, notion of the Jedi is almost metaphorical and equivalent to the notion of hope. And later on, when Snoke has Rey in his clutches and she's fighting as best she can, he says, ah, the fiery spit of hope. It's the spirit of the true Jedi. And so in that way, Snoke is actually equating the notion of the Jedi with the concept of hope. And Rey herself, of course, is one of the definitive carriers of hope, one of the most consistent on the hope spectrum, if you will. I guess in a similar way to Galen Erso and Cassian Andor, as we discussed in their own interesting ways in Rogue One, Rey has been solidly on the side of hope for the most part in you know, all the times that we've seen her. And as she says to Luke when she goes to Octo and has suffered, you know, multiple rebuffs from him, she says, Leia sent me here with hope, and if she was wrong about that, then she needs to know why. But she didn't just send Rey with hope, Rey herself personifies hope. 
and as such, she's able to become a vehicle for other people's hope as well. Contrast that with where Luke Skywalker is in the movie when we find him, and I was put in mind of that old saw of how the opposite of love isn't hate, it's apathy, and I was thinking about that spectrum of hope and hopelessness, and I wanted to say that desperation was basically the opposite of hope or hopelessness, but it's almost like, you know, that's too simplistic. I think apathy plays in here as well. Whereas, you know, apathy is the opposite of hope in the sense that you're just not able to invest emotionally one way or the other. Like you can't feel hopeless or you can't feel hopeful. You just don't care. Desperation, on the other hand, actually suggests something active where you are in such dire straits and you have you know, gone far enough down on Maslow's hierarchy of needs where all you're worried about is your base survival and the notion of hope or hopelessness isn't even coming into play. The idea of hope has to be a little bit higher up on there because once your basic survival needs are met, then you can actually consider whether things are hopeful or hopeless or whether that's going to be your prevailing attitude or whether you're going to choose the opposite, apathy. But it's kind of funny that the only time Luke actually comes... <laughs> out of his shell and commits to go forward is when it turns out that there is another, so to speak. So in Return of the Jedi, you'll recall that Ben Kenobi tells him that Luke was their last hope. And this is right after Luke says that there's no way he can kill his own father. And Obi-Wan says, well, then the Empire has already won. You are our last hope. And Luke says, Yoda spoke of another. And Luke's like trying to pass the buck, basically. And Obi-Wan, yeah, your twin sister. Oh, it's Leia? Oh man, I guess I'm going to step up and face my dad after all. And <laughs> meanwhile, in The Last Jedi, Rey, once confronted with the fact that Luke is not going to come help, she has to say, well, then I guess Ben is our last hope. And that's ultimately when Luke decides that he has to get involved in the situation. And perhaps not so coincidentally, that happens at the moment where the Resistance has found out that nobody is responding to their frantic calls for help, and Leia says what's on everybody's minds, which is that the spark of hope in the galaxy has gone out. And that notion of the Jedi as metaphorically representing the notion of hope becomes a literal representation of hope as Luke shows up. Yes, we don't know he's <laughs> kind of a metaphor in showing up in his own way anyway, but he becomes the personification of hope for the Resistance, what's left of it, and ends up being able to rekindle them, to spark them, to move out of their hopelessness and into something resembling desperation, which is at least movement. It's not the freeze that comes with thinking that you're all done and you're all dead. It's no, we actually still have the opportunity to survive here. Let's do that and rekindle the spark of hope. Now, switching over to the secular side of things, if you will, the non-spiritual Jedi side, the primary way in which we encounter hope in The Last Jedi is in the exchanges and particularly some of the heated confrontations between Poe Dameron and Vice Admiral Holdo. It particularly comes to a head when we have the scene on the bridge where Poe shows up and says, tell us there's a plan, tell us that there's hope, and Holdo says, 
Leia used to tell me hope is like the sun if you only believe in it when you can see it and then Poe finishes the phrase then you'll never make it through the night and we talked about this in a way in the Rogue One conversation where we talked about the concept of belief as a you know, foundational element of hope well this is essentially the same thing she is asking Poe or reminding Poe that you know, hope is a matter of belief, but you know, I guess you can use synonyms or things that you know, have sort of a Venn diagram overlap <laughs> with belief, which would be faith and trust. And without getting into dictionary definitions, I would say for the purposes of our conversation that faith would include things for which you have absolutely no control over at all, no influence whatsoever. And yes, <laughs> you know, the illusion of control is a whole other conversation we could get into, but you and I have no control over whether the sun is gonna rise or set today or tomorrow, right? That's the kind of faith that we're talking about that Leia was talking about in that statement. But what Holdo is also asking for here is trust, which is a matter of establishing a belief in a particular person in that they are going to behave in a certain way that you can depend on, that you can count on. And Poe's progression here through, you know, stages of hope and hopelessness and desperation is kind of interesting because he is in about as hopeful a place as he could be under the circumstances once the resistance has escaped, even though he's been slapped and demoted. But then the First Order arrives and suddenly things go to desperate and then the low-speed chase begins and things go from desperate to at least potentially hopeful and then things get worse for Poe when he sees what Holdo's plan is and he becomes hopeless because he thinks that that's going to get them all killed and he moves from hopelessness into desperation and that's what ultimately drives him to lead the mutiny on the Rattus. And it's also his lack of hope, his lack of trust, that drives him to send Finn and Rose on their ill-fated mission and tragically it's his lack of trust and his lack of hope that ultimately gets a large chunk of the remaining resistance members killed. And even as a viewer, I've wrestled with this over the past couple of years because I wish that Holdo had given him even the barest hint of trust. If there had been some you know, note about the fact that the shuttles had cloaking devices on them or had their engine emissions cloaked to the degree that they could escape or it had been pointed out to him that crate was nearby. And I understand why dramatically that doesn't work under the circumstances, but uh, yeah, this has just been, you know, one of those particularly frustrating storytelling points, but people act like people. You know, they don't act like idealized versions of ourselves necessarily. And so to see them not act like idealized versions of ourselves in movies is very realistic and can also be very frustrating as well. But speaking about the viewer experience, The Last Jedi highlights something that I believe we discussed with The Empire Strikes Back as well with the pell-mell escape of the Millennium Falcon and them being on the run for a good chunk of the movie from the Empire. And in that sequence, one of the things that we talked about previously was the notion of hope being transferred to the audience. In other words, the characters themselves have no time to hope for themselves because they are in such desperate and dire straits that they can't 
think like that. They just have to think about their own survival. And so the notion of hope is actually transferred to the audience. And that happens for a good chunk of time in The Last Jedi as well. Again, going back to the Rogue One conversation about how there are components of belief and motivation and action in there, but they don't necessarily have to be in balance. Well, obviously that's not the case as viewers of the movie because we can't step in to the action and help out. So we are left with the one component of hope, which is belief. Belief that our heroes are going to get out of the dangerous situations in which they find themselves and hope that they're going to survive them mostly intact. And, you know, probably one of the most prevalent circumstances in which that happens is when Leia is blasted out of the command center of the Radis. I don't think there's any way... I mean, future generations won't have this particular conundrum, but I don't think there's any way as a viewer now to separate that scene with, you know, our real life experience of having lost Carrie Fisher in December of 2016, just about a year before The Last Jedi came out in theaters. And if you'll recall the scene, she's initially blasted out along with all the other command staff, but then, you know, they move on to other scenes and then, you know, it's only a few minutes later that they cut to her body floating in space. And at that moment, you know, we've already been through a case of, oh my gosh, this is how we lose her. And it's like losing her again in a way. But then the moment of seeing her floating in space, that rekindles our hope. I mean, you can feel it. Like I can still feel it in my skin seeing her. And like, there's no way as a moviegoer where you would see her in space and not think that something was going to happen, something remarkable was going to happen. And so that coupled with, you know, already having lost her and then, you know, getting her back in this case, yeah, it's particularly affecting, at least it was for me. And I'm digressing a little bit <laughs> on that idea. So let me just circle back and say, whether it's the breakneck pace of the evacuation from the resistance base to the bomber run that looks like it's about to fail until yeah, one last moment when Paige Tico is able to pull it off, to the moment where the First Order arrives in the middle of uncharted space along with the supremacy of all things, to the evacuation of the shuttles and them being discovered and picked off one by one, the Resistance trying to hold off the advance of the First Order on crate with those ridiculous rust bucket ski speeders. <sighs> yeah, there are so many moments in this movie where the desperation of the Resistance is such that Hope is actually transferred to us as a viewing audience because they don't have the capacity for it themselves. And that's where we're going to leave things in our look at the nature of hope as it manifests in The Last Jedi and as it manifests in you and I as audience members watching The Last Jedi. And that is going to do it for this episode of the show as well. Thank you so much for joining me for it as always. And may the curve be flattening for you wherever in the world you may be. This podcast is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox. It is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other related Star Wars items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2019 by Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.